0: Nuclear numnuts. It's the regular insanity of nuclear, blatant and inescapable, multiplied by short-sightedness and institutional stupidity. It regularly escapes the notice of mainstream media, politicians, and, of course, normal people who are conditioned to not have a clue. But that's not always the case, because when you hear Nuclear hot seat, nuclear
1: Nuclear hot
0: seat, nuclear hot seat, none that sound week. Well, that's when you know you're in for a ride on some of the worst, dumbest, most egregious actions of that industry that has single handedly created the awful, dangerous, deadly seat that we all share. Nuclear hot seat, what are those people thinking?
1: Nuclear-
0: the weekly international news magazine keeping you up to date on all things nuclear from a different perspective. My name is Levy Halevi. I am the producer and host, as well as a survivor of the nuclear accident at Three Mile Island from just one mile away. So I know what can happen when those nuclear so-called experts get it wrong. This week, our annual numnuts of the Year. A look back at some sterling examples of nuclear industry nutsery leading to awarding the highly coveted numbnuts of the year for 2023 today is tuesday december 26 2023 and here is this week's special annual numbnuts of the year if you're not familiar with it a regular feature here on nuclear hot seat and and what's proven to be its most popular is numnuts of the Week for Outstanding Nuclear Boneheadedness. These are not necessarily the biggest or most important stories of the week, no matter how absurd those stories are. They get serious reporting, even if, full disclosure and no surprise to regular listeners, they are sometimes flavored with sarcasm or rage. No, numnuts are the oddities, incongruities, Ironies and just plain WTF are those boys thinking items that caught my eye on any given week. It's a place for me to rant. After all, insanity, incongruity, and short-sightedness are not good looks when you're dealing with nuclear matters. And somebody needs to point it out to the industry, don't they? Brief aside, I know there are nuclear industry lurkers who listen to this show. And I welcome you, all of you. Because maybe, just maybe, you'll learn something and decide to come over from the dark side. Back to this week's episode. "Numnuts of the Week was originally just that, a weekly feature. But given the number of outside commentators and extended interviews crowding their way onto the show, sometimes this past year it has had to be bumped. Still, we got it in a lot of times, a lot of zingers. So first... Here's a look back on some of the best of the 2023 Numbnuts of the Week. Starting off with a dilemma that faces me many weeks, how to choose a single Numbnuts. This from episode number 632, August 2nd, 2023. Nuclear hot seat,
1: nuclear hot
0: seat, nuclear hot seat, Numbnuts of the Week. When it comes to Numbnuts this week, There are so many to choose from. There's the nuclear-powered rocket that's proposed for space to get to Mars in half the time, risking an explosion that will set off an electromagnetic pulse that will, oops, destroy the grid back on Earth. Or a, sweet dreams, bedside nuclear explosion bomb mushroom cloud lamp featuring the image of that mushroom cloud right in the middle of Manhattan that seems to lead all buildings intact. But even with all that tempting numbnutsery, I'm afraid I have to go with a story in the San Luis Obispo Tribune entitled, Demolishing Diablo Canyon Will Have Significant Impacts on the Environment. Say what? Oh, they're not talking about the continued operation of the nuclear reactors as having significant impacts on the environment, despite the fact that they are built atop earthquake faults. This is about the damage to our poor environment that will take place if we dare to move forward with decommissioning. Of course, the sole source in this article is Maureen Zawalik, Pacific Gas and Electric's Vice President of Nuclear Generation Business and Technical Services. She offers that the eventual decommissioning of Diablo Canyon Nuclear Power Plant in coastal San Luis Obispo County will have potentially, quote, significant and unavoidable, end quote, environmental impacts. This according to a new draft Environmental Impact Report, which analyzed how decommissioning and dismantling the power plant will affect the ocean and land ecosystems around it. Nothing here about how the continued operation of these two nuclear reactors will impact the local biosphere, and it definitely skirts the issue that This thing is going to have to be decommissioned and dismantled anyway at some point. Why keep it running for another 20 years with the attendant risks in operation? Greater quantity of high-level radioactive waste? And who knows what other problems can show up in 20 years? Diablo Canyon's decommissioning and demolition is inevitable, so why wait? Oh, wait a minute. Money! California Governor Gavin Newsom who seems to be gathering a war chest for a run at the presidency in 2028, last September allowed for the allocation of $1.4 billion in a forgivable loan to PG&E to help fund continued operations at Diablo Canyon. I wouldn't mind a forgivable loan to help run nuclear hot seat. Suddenly, Pacific Gas and Electric is all eco-concerned, citing decommissioning's potential impact on marine life in the Diablo Cove adjacent to the plant, citing potential damage to kelp, algae, turtles, sea otters, seals, sharks, and abalone. PG&E even provided the newspaper with a picture of a leopard shark swimming alongside other fish in Diablo Cove. It's all spin and hooey, from a newspaper known to be super, super, super pro-nuclear and unafraid to publish Obviously skewed articles as though they are the facts of the matter. And that's why, over and above The Lamp and Nukes in Space, Pacific Gas and Electric, and San Luis Obispo Tribune, you are this week's Nuclear Hot Seed, None That's Out of the Week. We'll dispense with most of the theme music from here on because I don't want to kill off your attention span with this little earworm. What kinds of manipulation do we face from the nuclear industry? Here's one example from October 7, 2023, episode number 643. The International Atomic Energy Agency and Belgium will host the first-ever Nuclear Energy Summit in March of next year. Think the IAEA is an impartial judge of nuclear safety? Think again! IAEA Director General Raphael Grossi will be co-chair of the summit... And in the IAEA press release, states, nuclear energy is an indispensable part of the solution to some of the most pressing global challenges of our time. What, like the cash flow bottom line of nuclear reactor producing companies? He says the summit will be a venue for building closer ties between political and industry executives. In other words, look under the table and see what's being passed, preferably in cash. And among the industry leaders, heads of think tanks, experts, and representatives from civil society who are cited, and a list of high-sounding topics, not once, not once, is the R-word mentioned. Radiation, or if you prefer, radioactivity. This press release cites the full potential of nuclear power in contributing to net zero emissions. Can we reclassify radiation, radioactivity, as an emission and it closes on this quote from Grossi. Nuclear power is a clean and reliable source of energy, and the world needs much more of it. <clears throat> Tell that to the people near Zaporizhia, Chernobyl, Fukushima, and all the others. Expletive deleted you, Rafael Grossi, IAEA, and this nuclear energy summit. You are this week's... of the week. Politics... And corporations rule when it comes to making nuclear decisions in any country. Here's one example from Japan, February 22, 2023, episode number 609. As you've heard many times on this show, Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida has been urging his ministers to assuage, meaning appease or calm down, public concerns over the government's planned policy shift that will allow the operation of nuclear power plants beyond the current limit of 60 years. Not resolve the issues, just damp everybody down. During the recent vote, in a rare move, one of the five commissioners remains opposed to the policy. And where did that opposition voice come from? Akira Ishiwatari, who is the commissioner in charge of earthquake and tsunami countermeasures. He said the revision is not based on new scientific or technical findings, and it cannot be said to be a shift to the safe side. But hey, just because this guy is in charge of managing the risks that would result doesn't mean that anyone is going to pay any attention to him, and that's why Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida, you are this week's num nuts out of the week. When it comes to the nuksters, money. Is always the overriding concern. From episode 608, February 14, 2023. In the UK, Britain is about to give green status to nuclear power, a move that is part of a bid to unlock billions of pounds of funding for more nuclear power stations. At the same time, while the country's media is pretending this is a separate story, The cost of new U.K. underground nuclear waste facilities has jumped to 53 billion pounds. That's to store its current waste of 133,000 cubic meters of radioactive waste above ground. And that amount is projected to swell to more than 4 million cubic meters in the future. So whoopee! Let's build the bright shiny objects at the front end and forget that there's a stream of, shall we say, nuclear equivalent of fecal matter coming out the backside. And that's why, UK government officials and agencies in charge of nuclear matters, you are this week's Nuts Out of Week. Here's another view of where the money goes. From June 20th, episode number 626. The Nobel Peace Prize-winning International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons has issued a new report. And considering that their research is impeccable, vetted, and footnoted, it's accurate. This report shows that the world's nine nuclear-armed countries spent a total of $82.9 U.S. dollars on their arsenals just last year, 2022. The U.S. was by far the biggest spender, dumping 43.7 billion into its already massive arsenal in just that one year, more than all of the other nuclear armed countries combined. The total for all the countries broke down to 157,000 US dollars per minute spent on their atomic weaponry, which of course just went to enriching private contractors at the risk of imperiling mankind. That means the US spent more than $78,000 per minute on nukes, but they spread the money around. The U.S. Congress allocated $16 billion for the National Nuclear Security Administration to spend on, quote, weapons activities, with no explanation of exactly what they meant. The Department of Defense requested $27.7 billion with a B dollars for nuclear modernization, including the ground-based mid-course defense, B-21 bomber, Columbia-class submarine, and nuclear command, control, and communications. This marks the third year in a row where global spending on nuclear weapons increased to even more insane levels. Just think what that money could do for health care, necessary domestic infrastructure, education, conversion to solar, all the things we genuinely need in this country. But instead, the money gets squandered on nuclear contractors and death weaponry. And remember, this is just the spending for one year. It goes on year after year. And that's why members of U.S. Congress who voted for this appropriation, members of the government who set this as an agenda, and all those money-grubbing nuclear perpetrators who stand to make so much money off of the destruction of people and the planet, you are this week's Num Nuts the week. Children are our most important resource they are the future. So what are they learning about nukes? And from whom are they learning it? Here are a series of numbnuts dealing with how the nukesters get to our kids. This one from October 31st, episode number 645. Neither did I until after the fact. Apparently, this is the 14th year of what is being called, quote, An international annual celebration to raise awareness and understanding of nuclear science and its applications. Not its implications, its applications. It includes a diverse range of activities and events organized around the globe to showcase the numerous applications of nuclear science. It cites what they call the five pillars of nuclear science. And see if you can figure out which of these are lies. Carbon-free energy global leadership, transformative health care, innovation and technology, and space exploration. Those are the five pillars, but they don't mention the sinkhole that is the waste. The event features interactive exhibits, workshops, demonstrations, and documentary film screenings. What are you willing to bet that even the one that happened in Del Mar, California, just down the road from San Onofre, did not screen SOS, San Onofre Syndrome? But they do offer two-hour walking tours of the San Onofre facility, what's left of it, and never is heard a discouraging word about nuclear. And dig it. As part of the program, outreach activities were arranged in collaboration with local schools, offering students the opportunity to engage in hands-on experiments, demonstrations, and career exploration opportunities. It's an orgy of propaganda and self-promotion. Cleverly disguising a recruitment campaign to get those little brains acclimated to nukes good, people who oppose nukes bad. Fourteen years they've been doing this around the world. And that's why International Nuclear Science Week, which is subverting the youth of the planet towards nuclear, you are this week's None that's out of Week. Remember that this International Nuclear Science Week is an annual event and is seeded to take place around the world. So if you've got kids, especially in public school, I don't know how it works in your part of the world, but if you're here in the U.S., you might want to contact the principal of your local school to voice any objections you might have to this propaganda event taking place in your school district. Bring it up at the school board, the PTA, with your city councilor, your mayor, and write letters or op-eds for your local newspaper. Get a jump on it now. Be active, not reactive, and aim for the 2024-25 school year, which is still being determined. You can make a difference. Of course, it's not just in the U.S. that this nuclear propaganda machine operates on kids. Here's a story out of India from Nuclear Hot Seat number 633 on August 8th. India's Aspara nuclear reactor, a 67-year-old senior citizen of technology, is being transformed into a museum which will promote India's nuclear program and history to the public. The conversion is scheduled to take a little more than a year, and once the Aspara Museum attains criticality, boy, weren't they cute with that press release, school children will be brought in batches. As W.C. Fields might have offered, To be parboiled, no doubt. No word as to when this facility was actually decommissioned or the status of the spent fuel. But boy, kids, look. Knobs and dials. Aren't nukes fun? And that's why, to the brainiacs behind this conversion of a nuclear reactor into a propaganda museum, you are this week's Num Nuts the Week. We also presented a major in-person report on the Nuclear Museum in Fukushima during last year's Voices from Japan episode with producer Beverly finlay Kaneko. It was episode number 611 from March 7. We've got photos that were taken there, too, and we'll link to it all on the website, nuclearhotseat.com, under this episode number 653, so you can check it out. Unfortunately, the propaganda can prove extremely effective, with kids. From episode 637 on September 5th. In an attempt to recreate the Greta Thunberg wheel, a media story on TheGuardian.com has been picked up around Europe, citing an all-knowing, all-powerful, 18-year-old climate activist who is calling on Greenpeace to drop its, quote, old-fashioned and unscientific, end quote, campaign against nuclear power in the EU. In April, Greenpeace announced it would appeal against the EU Commission's decision to include nuclear power in its classification system for sustainable finance. But 18-year-old Ia Anstut from Sweden, whose only stated credential is that she took part for three years in the Friday School Strikes movement started by Greta Thunberg, issued a statement with multiple misconceptions beloved by the nuclear industry embedded in her words. She referred to nuclear power as clean energy, which is hard to swallow when it creates high-level radioactive waste that's dangerous for 240,000 years, carbon-free, which it is only at the actual instant when the atom is split. But if you look at the entire fuel chain to get to that point and what follows it, there's plenty of carbon everywhere. And she calls it a large and useful tool against climate change. No, darling, the only tool we're talking about here is you. And the nuksters who use young and naive activists who are desperate to make a difference to parrot their talking points and do their job of gumming up the anti-nuclear works for them. It would be interesting to find out who this young woman is, what her background is, what her training is, and where the money is coming from for her campaign. But whether we get that information or not, you, Ia Anstut, are this week's num nuts out of the week. Here in the U.S., we've got our own propaganda machine, and it's been going full blast to include not only kids, but adults. From October 24th, episode number 644. Each year, the military opens the Trinity site to the public. That's where the first atomic bomb in the world, the test that was the precursor to Hiroshima and Nagasaki, was exploded in 1945. Once in April and again in October... Civilians, the curious, and those who watch the Oppenheimer film can trek out to the middle of nowhere to see an indentation in the ground where the madness began. This year, the more than 4,000 visitors, up by 25% since the Oppenheimer film was released, was greeted at the gates to Trinity, by members of the Tularosa Basin Downwinders Consortium, which represents families in southern New Mexico communities who lived in places touched by the bomb, including by diseases such as leukemia and other cancers. These downwinders held signs and offered pamphlets on their fight to be recognized and compensated by the federal government, which bombed its own people. A good thing they were there with honest information, because fairly typically of the nuclear tourists, was Harvard Homestead, 18 years old, who said of the site, "'It was moving, because to think that something so destructive started just five miles that way.'" And then he added that he is pursuing a nuclear science degree at the University of New Mexico, quote, "'Because despite its tainted past, I do think it's the best way forward we have for powering a clean environment.'" They're not teaching him the nuclear truth in that school. Trinity is now a tourist trap with an evil history and radioactive benefits. And that's why, Mr. Harvard Holmstad, 18 years old, and all of you others who went, oh, let's take a picture of that place where everything started that might destroy us all and soon, you are this week's Numb Nuts Week. We'll get back to our special annual Numbnuts of the Year Award for 2023 in just a moment. But first, help. That's what I'm asking for. Your help in keeping Nuclear Hot Seat up and running. The past year has seen a lot of financial hits for all of us. Right now, the show is running at a deficit. That means I'm out of pocket with monthly and annual expenses. And to be honest, I don't have a pocket. In order to keep the show running, the time for you to step up would be right now. So think back. Have you gotten information here about your local neighborhood nuclear nightmare that you didn't get from any other source? Did you learn about the threat of global annihilation from nuclear weapons, the manipulation of indigenous communities, people of color, the poor and disadvantaged, so that their communities become the dumping grounds for toxic radioactive waste? And have you also received regularly every week. Not just the bad news, but information on what activists and campaigners from around the world have been up to and how you can join them in fighting back against the nuclear steamroller of propaganda. And do you want this fight to continue? Then help Nuclear Hot Seat now, as we continue to be the news hub that it already is. Support us as we move into a new year, Your donations are tax-deductible and can take the form of a one-time donation of any amount or ongoing monthly support. Here in the U.S., $5 buys a cup of coffee and a tip to the barista. So how about buying Nuclear Hot Seat, a metaphoric cup of coffee a month? Recurring donations like the $5 ones are the only monies we can count on to cover all the online services it takes to produce, host, and disseminate the show every week. So come join with this wonderful community of others who every month send us $5, $10, sometimes a little bit more. It's easy to set up. Go to NuclearHotSeat.com and click on the red Donate button, then follow the prompts. Or you can send money directly through Zelle to info at NuclearHotSeat.com. Know that whatever you can do to help, you are making a difference to the show and to the world. And that is as always, I am deeply grateful that you are listening and that you care. Now we return to our special annual NumNuts of the Year 2023. Getting clear, accurate information out into mainstream media continues to be a source of never-ending NumNutsery. Media is always a hot button for me. So here are a few media-related NumNutses of the Week. NumNuts of the Weeks? Whatever starting with this New York Times gaffe from May 2nd, which appeared on episode number 619. Aw, poor widow nuclear waste. It's so misunderstood. At least that's the headline and the premise behind the wrong-headed, snide, manipulative op-ed that appeared in this week's New York Times under the title, Nuclear Waste is Misunderstood. It's a sly, psychologically honed put-down of all logical concerns against nuclear waste, treating those who oppose it as some kind of wrong-headed children who suggest just go away and play with other toys. The author, Madison Hilly, is listed as founder of the campaign for a, pardon me while I choke, nuclear green deal, a contradiction in terms if ever there was one. She's just another paid chill for the nuclear industry. After bragging about her so-called research with, quote, engineers, radiation specialists, and waste managers, without saying that all of them were paid for and employed by the nuclear industry and thus self-serving in their answers, she goes on to make one of the most boneheaded of statements. And here I quote, There are many legitimate questions about the future of nuclear. How will we finance new plants? Can we build them on time and under budget? but what about the waste should not be one of them? WTF? Her twisting of the facts, linguistic contortions, and smug, I've got the money and the support of those who oppose nuclear don't have enough to contradict me attitude is nauseating at best, and at worst, dangerous. Here is our national newspaper of record espousing what is essentially a well-crafted set of lies without vetting any of her statements. I cannot believe that the New York Times fell for or caved under the nuclear industry's full-court press. But this timing is no accident. This editorial, in tandem with Oliver tutu Stone's movie, which is just a World Economic Forum promo using their nuclear financial talking points, are meant to ram small modular nuclear reactors down our throats. Mind you, this is a technology that is unproven, unbuilt, not a single unit in existence anywhere in the world, but already a billion-dollar cash cow for the industry. Think how that money could be used for genuine, safe, renewable energy generation that already exists, like solar, wind, geothermal, tidal, and more. But those technologies will not line the pockets of already millionaire and billionaire nuclear industry honchos. So let's give a nuclear shill over 1,000 words in the New York Times, an enormous length in today's newspaper world, to slime the genuine science-based objections of honest, footnoted scientists, engineers, and informed activists, manipulate perception of a dangerous industry, and take us one more step into public-approved nuclear insanity. And that's why, not only Hilly the Shill, Shilly Hilly, but the New York Times, you are this week's Num-nuts Out Awake. Week. The Washington Post isn't immune to being called out for their ignorance and blind spots either. This from August twenty-second, 2023, episode number 635. A big honking story in the Washington Post cited cancer among younger Americans being on the rise, according to a new study. Some of the biggest increases were seen in women and in younger people diagnosed with gastrointestinal and breast cancers. The article says there is not a clear explanation as to why cancer is rising among younger people, but experts, put that in quote, say there are several possible reasons, including rising obesity rates, lifestyle factors such as drinking alcohol, smoking, sleeping poorly, and being sedentary. Environmental factors include exposure to pollutants and carcinogenic chemicals. But not once, nowhere, was the R-word mentioned. Radiation. Exposure to radiation. We know from the work of Gender and Radiation Impact Project that women are twice as vulnerable to radiation as men, and children little girls are ten times more vulnerable to the same amount of radiation as is set by the standard, which is according to an adult male body. So women and younger people are getting cancer more frequently? Perhaps, radiologically speaking, one plus one does equal two. And that's why, Washington Post, for not lifting up the edge of the cover on radiation and taking a look at that in your story, you are this week's Num Nuts Out of the week. Japan takes its own kind of cake for languaging manipulation. From January 7, Episode 604. Heads up for a languaging rant. Japan Times is a supposedly reputable newspaper in Japan that presents what are supposed to be well-researched, journalistically verifiable articles. But their bias is showing— In a recent article on TEPCO's intentions to discharge Fukushima's tritium-contaminated radioactive wastewater into the Pacific Ocean, the number of not-neutral wordings must have set a new record for the publication. It starts from the headline, and here I quote, Fukushima-treated water likely to be discharged in spring or summer. Nothing about international opposition to the move that wants to stop the discharge Just get used to the fact that it is likely to happen. Treated makes it sound like it's okay, but the system used does not remove tritium, and then there are the other radionuclides not copped to that are in the water. And that's just the headline. Other manipulations meant to manipulate public response to the radioactive water release that's being pushed by the government, calling the concentration of radionuclides, specifically tritium, low-level saying that it's in line with international safety standards and poses no harm to public health and the environment. But how about some context here? International safety standards? Set by whom? Based on what? How accurate are they? And how challenged have these safety standards been? No harm. Ha! Every radionuclide we are exposed to threatens harm, including chest x-rays and MRIs. It's held cumulatively in the body and is capable of causing everything from cancer to breaks in your DNA so that any future generations that source back to you have been compromised. And low level. Again, compared with what? That's wiggle wording. More from the article. Through its cooperation with the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Agency, the Japanese government is continuing its effort to enhance international understanding toward the handling of treated water. In other words, they will keep lobbying, propagandizing, manipulating, and who knows, incentivizing other countries to see things their way grant tacit, if not active, approval of the plan, or at least have them agree to say nothing against it. There's more, but this final paragraph really gripes me. Quote, Most nuclear power plants around the world routinely and safely release treated water containing low-level concentrations of tritium and other radionuclides into the environment as part of normal operations, according to the IAEA. That doesn't make the practice right! Right! or safe, or that the IAEA, which has as part of its charter the mandate to promote nuclear reactors and promote nuclear energy, that it's the trustworthy agency for setting these standards and practices. In other words, lots of empty reassurances, pats on the head, and there, there, missy, don't worry, you're pretty little head about it. So for all of the many lies woven into this story and others, that are bullying the public and the world into accepting the unacceptable, a release of radioactive water into the Pacific, where it will continue to pollute waters for 120 years from Tritium, and possibly forever based on the unacknowledged other radioactive contaminants. In that water, Japan Times, you are this week's... Awake. Then again... Japan regularly ignores the Fukushima story to distract with more reader-friendly articles about the nuclear triple meltdown disaster site. From September 19, 2023, episode number 639. I had planned to do a numnuts on the fact that the big story out of Fukushima, according to the Japan Times, is that they can't find young umpires to work with the local baseball teams. Big, important Fukushima story, right? But they have been totally eclipsed by the U.S. Congress. Apparently, if we oppose the release of the radioactive tritium-contaminated water from Fukushima, that means perforce, we're pro-China. So to get that point across, the U.S. House Select Committee on Chinese Communist Party opened its latest bali against Beijing at a sushi and sake night on Capitol Hill, co-hosted by the Japanese embassy in Washington. Why am I not surprised? China is one of several countries to criticize Japan's decision to start releasing around 30 years of radioactive tritium-contaminated wastewater from Fukushima into the Pacific Ocean, a process which was begun on August 24th. China reacted by immediately banning all imports of Japanese seafood into the country over safety concerns. But does that deter our yuck-yuck experts in Congress? Heck no. Mike Gallagher, a Republican of Wisconsin and chairman of the committee, called Beijing's actions, quote, nothing more than economic coercion directed at Japan designed to hurt Japan's economy. And their feelings, too. Boo-hoo. Gallagher says that China's ban was, quote, built on a foundation of falsehoods. Yeah, that's a great industry talking point with no footnotes. He cites the International Atomic Energy Agency saying that the treated water would have negligible impact on people and the environment and that Japan's actions were, quote, consistent with relevant international safety standards. Yeah, the IAEA would say that because they're the ones who set those standards, and they set them way too high for safety and have been criticized for it for years. While Greenpeace Japan and U.S.-based National Association of Marine Laboratories have raised concerns noting limited radiological data disclosures and uncertain long-term effects, in other words, science. But that did not deter the repug Gallagher saying, They don't know what they're missing right now, as he gestured to plates of sushi spread out before him. Oh, yes, we do know what you're missing. So they're framing it as those who oppose the water release from Fukushima are lovers of China and against our democratic right to eat radioactively contaminated fish. And that's why Gallagher, no, not the one who smashes watermelons with a mallet, but you might as well be, you, Representative Gallagher, are this week's NUMNUTS OF THE WEEK. France has more than earned its fair share of NUMNUTS OF THE WEEK. This from episode number 613, March 21st. France has so many nuclear headaches, it is hard to keep track of them. All of their reactors are aging, as many as 26 of their 56 nuclear reactors simultaneously offline for repairs or maintenance. More than 200 reactor welds ordered examined for possible corrosion cracks, which would erode safety. One new nuclear reactor in Flamanville, more than a decade behind schedule, at a cost three times the original estimate. And now it's in excess of 13 billion with a B euros. Then there's the dependence on Russia for the uranium for fuel. That's kind of a grand slam of nuclear nightmares. So what is President Emmanuel Macron doing about it? Promoting new nuclear build and introducing new legislation to speed it along. We know that there are plenty of genuinely clean, green, sustainable energy options that are available and could be implemented immediately to build energy resilience. But, uh uh-uh, nope, not even a consideration. This blind reliance on nuclear for 70% of the country's electricity... Is stupid and short-sighted, and that's why Emmanuel Macron and those who support this policy of nuclear expansion in France—you are this week's numnuts out of the week. But France isn't alone in their numnutsery. Their EDF has a lot of partners in nuclear incompetence, such as this story out of Italy from March 28, episode 614. In Italy, French power group EDF its Italian arm Edison, and Italy's Ansaldo Energia are planning to cooperate on the development of nuclear energy in Europe, specifically small modular nuclear reactors. But here's the thing. EDF has been having massive problems operating its plants in France, where at one point during this past summer, more than half of them were offline, and now more cracks are being found in pipes and welds in the reactors. Edison has been mismanaging the shutdown of San Onofre, leaving residents in Southern California at risk from its nuclear waste storage containers, which are only five-eighths of an inch thick, only 100 feet from the mean high tide of the Pacific Ocean, and each one of them carries a Chernobyl's worth of radioactivity. If you're trying to push a process forward... Isn't it best to deal with people who have had success in the past as opposed to an entire string of failures? This agreement by Ansaldo also aims to restart a debate on the role of atomic energy in Italy. The country ceased using nuclear generation in 1987 after Italians voted against it in a referendum. And it's time to do it again. Because the Three Stooges nuclear team of EDF, Edison, and Ansaldo, you... Are this week's Numb Nuts Outta Week? Num Nuts stories run the gamut from ridiculous to life threatening to ridiculously life threatening and everything in between. Here are a few of the most obviously inane ones from February 28th, episode number 610. Hey, boys and girls, want to know something unique to do for your vacation this year? Japan Wonder Travel has got the answer. Take a tour of the Fukushima Daiichi Nuclear Power Plant. It's a two-day tour, round-trip Tokyo to Fukushima and back, that will allow you to, as one tourist agent said, enjoy Japan one step deeper. And the brochure states, joining this tour will have a big impact on your life. Or perhaps your lifespan? Visitors can access 96% of the grounds without the need of hazmat suits. Talk with a carefully vetted population of local people who experienced the disaster and get an understanding of how they've been dealing with the aftermath and trying to rebuild their communities. There's going to be lots more on that next week on Voices from Japan, our special on the Fukushima 12th anniversary. Acceptable attire are long sleeve tops, long pants, socks to cover your ankles, and a lead bodysuit to shield you from radiation along with a respirator. Sandals and high-heeled shoes are prohibited. And all of this is why, Japan Wonder Service, it's no wonder that you're this week's... week. China, Russia, Korea, and Taiwan, among other countries, maintain their ban on import of Japanese seafood and other products because of fears of radiation contamination especially in the fish, since Japan began releasing tons of radioactive tritium-contaminated wastewater from the wrecked Fukushima reactors into the Pacific Ocean. So what does Japan do? They keep up their full-court media press on "Mm -mm, good foods from Fukushima. Here's just one example from August 15, episode number 634. Apparently, the baseball team of the Dominican Republic had such a peachy time when they were in Japan two years ago for the Olympics that Fukushima has sent peaches grown in Fukushima Prefecture as a gift to the embassy of that country. No mention of radiation monitoring or testing, just, mm aren't they sweet? No word of the Dominican Republic monitoring its athletes for possible health consequences over the coming years. But that's okay. The ceremony was really spiffy because, of course, it was organized by TEPCO, Tokyo Electric Power Company. And that's why, TEPCO and your propagandistic peaches, you are this week's Numb Nuts Out week. Here in the U.S., in case you're planning a driving vacation through Florida, you might want to think it over a little bit more based on this Snum Nuts from May 9, episode number 620. Oh, Florida. Your legislators just passed a bill allowing radioactive material to be built into Florida roads. This bill permits the use of toxic phosphogypsum in demonstration road projects throughout Florida. Critics say this is the first step in the phosphate industry's push to eventually use the waste in roads nationwide. Why would they want to? because they have more than one billion tons of the stuff in Florida and using it in roads would get the industry off the hook for safely disposing of the millions of tons of dangerous waste it continues to create every year while generating another cash stream for industry giants. The Environmental Protection Agency prohibits using the toxic phosphate waste in roadway construction Because it poses an unacceptable risk to road construction workers, public health, and the environment. But hey, this is Florida. What are the odds that Governor Ron DeSantis is going to veto this bill? He's probably making plans to use the stuff on all the roads that lead to Disney World. And that's why Florida legislators, who are a ok with paving their roads with radioactive waste, you are this week's and, of course, the nuclear industry will do anything they can to glamorize their death-dealing products by finding brainless social media influencers with more time and money than critical faculties to tout how cool nukes are. Here's their favorite ventriloquist dummy from October 10, episode 642. Why is nuclear energy suddenly the domain of Glamour pusses. First, Miss America Grace Stanky has become a front for U.S. nuclear energy efforts, drumming up support for nuclear energy as part of a year-long publicity stunt uh, tour to drum up support for nuclear in a younger demographic. With no sense of irony, Stanky, or maybe it's just Stank, claims that it's the industry that saved my dad twice from cancer. Well, maybe its byproducts gave him cancer in the first place. Ever think of that? She also states, it powers 20% of America. No, it's down to 18.2 and going down every year. But I guess your supporters at World Nuclear Association, which had you as a speaker at their symposium in London this year, approves of your overstatements and generalizations and has probably rigged a really good job for you because you're a nuclear engineering student with a guaranteed post at Constellation Energy in 2024. And then there's Isabel Buemke, a model who styles herself as ISO-dope. She calls herself a nuclear energy influencer on social media, and the IAEA, never one to shy away from a way of propagandizing the public, utilized this dope, at the Scientific Forum on Nuclear Innovations for Net Zero, September 26th and 27th, as their keynote speaker. Again, her target is young social media socialites. So what do we have here? A dope and a dupe, camera-ready, selfie-ready, and promoting nuclear on social media. And that's why ISO-dope Isabel Bemke and Miss America Grace Stank you are jointly this week's Numb Nuts Out awake. Then there are the irrelevant Nukester, Huckster, Sucksters, taking up time and space on the World Nuclear Association's podcast From December 12, episode number 651. World Nuclear News, the propaganda arm of the World Nuclear Association, is regularly a source of great numnuts of the week, but this one outdoes them all. While touting the oft-questioned safety of their technology, they ask the crucially important question, why can't nuclear reactors look beautiful too? And they cite Dutch architect and designer Eric van Eggerot, who says that part of the way to continue to build public support for nuclear energy is to make nuclear power plants look good, to make people feel good when they see them. Nuclear delusion and mental illness does run deep. And that's why, Eric von Egerot, and the doofuses who promote him, you are this week's... Numbnuts of the week! And lest you think that much of the numbnuts are toothless, here's one that points out a really scary development in nuclear industry thinking. From May 16, episode 621. Unsettling reports out of China claim that country has given artificial intelligence, AI, control over the launch of its nuclear weapons. What could go wrong? Let me count the ways. They claim that this will lower the possibility of human error in nuclear launches. But really, the human error has already been made in giving AI the power to launch nukes in the first place. Allowing AI to make decisions about when and where to launch these weapons is a significant departure from the traditional command and control systems used by nuclear-armed countries, which puts machines in charge of our future. Now would be a great time to implement in AI the three rules of robotics written by Isaac Asimov in his science fiction book, iRobot. 1. A robot may not injure a human being or allow a human being to come to harm. Two, a robot must obey the orders given it by human beings, except when such orders would contradict the first law. And three, a robot must protect its own existence, as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second laws. What would be so tough about installing this as boilerplate on every AI system? But I guess in China, they don't read 1950s science fiction, and that's why. Whoever the Chinese quote unquote experts are who thought this was a good idea, you are this week's numnuts of the week. Which brings us to numnuts of the year 2023. The whole nuclear fuel chain. How can we separate one aspect of this horror when it's all so bad? from uranium mining and refining, to reactors, to weapons, to waste, to the threat of laying waste to all of humanity. The bomb by itself is plenty scary. But without nuclear reactors, all of which produce plutonium that is near weapons grade as part of their waste stream, bombs could not exist, or at least not proliferate as they have. It's said that every nuclear reactor has a bomb in the basement, meaning that countries that have or get a nuclear power reactor have the potential to create their own bomb. That's how India got theirs from so-called spent reactor fuel produced by its Canadian-given nuclear reactor. And even if that country has no missiles and can't launch a nuke, there's the invisible, seemingly passive damage caused by so-called depleted uranium weapons. They can be launched on the ground, and they contain uranium that is still lethal, not depleted at all. So every country that gets a reactor, even the not-yet-existent small modular nuclear reactors, which are now being rebranded as mini-reactors, they are all a piece of nuclear weapons proliferation, delivered in the name of corporate profits and international politics. So, as we all cringe at the post-Oppenheimer film images of the nuclear bomb's destruction, know that the explosive plutonium comes from nuclear reactors, which are fueled with uranium dug out of the ground on mostly indigenous land, poisoning those who work the mines or lived near them. And all the radioactive waste that results is either recycled into depleted uranium weapons or simply left in place to poison the air, the land, and all life for 7,000 generations, a quarter of a million years. And that's why, to all you bloated, greedy, life-heating death-eaters in the nuclear industry, as well as those who support them, you are the 2023 Numbnuts of the Year. This has been Nuclear Hot Seat for Tuesday, December 26, 2023. If you'd like to get Nuclear Hot Seat delivered via email every week, we make it really easy. You can sign up for it on your favorite podcast channel or cut to the chase and do us a favor. Go to NuclearHotSeat.com, look for the yellow box, you really can't miss it, put in your first name and email address, and every week we will send you one email with the link and a short description of the show's content. That way you need never miss a single show. And if you have a story lead, a hot tip, or a suggestion of someone to interview, send an email to info at nuclearhotseat.com. And please remember, we're a nonprofit. If you can go to Nuclear Hot Seat and donate, we really need the help. Anything, we appreciate it and you. This episode of Nuclear Hot Seat is copyright 2023, Libby Halevi and Heartistry Communications. All rights reserved, but fair use allowed as long as you cite the program, website, name of guests whose comment you use, and, if you get around to it, me. For now, this is Libby Halevi of Nuclear Hot Seat reminding you that, as anthropologist Margaret Mead famously said, Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, It is the only thing that ever has. Thanks for being part of this small group of thoughtful, committed citizens who not only can, but are in the process of changing the world so that we can all get out of that nuclear hot seat. And here's Tom Lehrer to explain exactly why that's so important.
1: When you attend a funeral... It is sad to think that sooner or later Those you love will do the same for you And you may have thought it tragic Not to mention other adjectives To think of all the weeping they will do But don't you worry No more ashes, no more sackcloth And an armband made of black cloth Will someday nevermore adorn a sleeve For if the bomb that drops on you gets your friends and neighbors too there'll be nobody left behind to grieve and we will all go together when we go what a comforting fact that is to know universal bereavement and inspiring achievement yes we all will go together when we go we will all Suffused with an incandescent glow No one will have the endurance To collect on his insurance Lloyd's of London will be loaded when they go We will all fry together when we fry We'll be French fried potatoes by and by misery when the world is our rotisserie yes we all will fry together when we fry we will all bake together when we bake there'll be nobody present at the wake Who, with complete participation in that grand incineration nearly three billion hunks of well-done steak We will all char together when we char And let there be no moaning of the bar Just sing out a tedium when you see that ICBM And the party will be, come as you are We will all burn together when we burn There'll be no need to stand and wait your turn When it's time for the fallout And St. Peter calls us all out We'll just drop our agendas and adjourn We will all go together when we go Every hot and tot and every Eskimo When the air becomes uranius We will all go simultaneous Yes, we all will go together When we all go together Yes, we all will go together When we
0: go